0: welcome to the force cancer charity podcast your window into the world of devon's very own local cancer support charity
1: hello i'm emma ellis one of the oncology support specialists at force cancer charity
0: and jerry gillespie the same oncology support specialist
1: So we thought it would just be quite um, nice to just talk about what an oncology support specialist is. It's similar to counselling, we're all qualified counsellors, but it's just giving people an idea of what it means to be an oncology support specialist. And Gerry, given that you've been with FORCE for how many years is it now that you've been doing that role and how has it changed?
0: 21 years now, so it's changed immeasurably, yeah. But it's still at its heart is the person who walks through the door who's been diagnosed with cancer. And that's what we are about as a charity. And I think when we first started, I remember there was a lady who had head and neck cancer. And she felt very vulnerable when her husband left her in the hospital. Um, And that was the time when she really needed to talk. And she said, is there any way that force might be able to... You know, to provide somebody that that could talk, and I guess for me, hearing that story was the start of the oncology support specialist because that was about listening. It was about going alongside, and maybe not in a totally formal. You know, we often think of counselling as the fifty-minute hour, mm-hmm. um, and that was just probably twenty minutes. So in the first year that I, my colleague went, um, very luckily to go and stay in the Galapagos Islands. And I took over from her and I remember that first year being based in the hospital, visiting people on wards, going alongside people waiting for um, consultants appointments or going into consultants appointments with them. And then we realised that the need was probably greater than we were able to give at the time so it made us think about expanding and how we might change things. And the idea of a, a specific built centre um, came up. And I remember talking to Meriel, our chief executive, um, and we actually went to visit a Maggie Centre, which is a council support centre up in Edinburgh, and we were blown away by the breadth of what they were able to do and be there for people. Um, and we thought how can we how can we do something similar here? Mm. <coughs> And I suppose at that time, there was probably only about six people working for the charity. And yet, yeah, the need was was huge. Um, so, wind forward a little bit, we built uh, this Cancer Support Centre. Two of us remained in the hospital, um, supporting patients and staff. And then, as the centre became more established, we were drawn back into the centre. So That's a very long-winded way of answering your question about what is an oncology support specialist. I I guess it's it's going the extra mile, and I know we do that as counsellors, but sometimes something might come up in our session with a patient or a carer or somebody who's very close to somebody who has cancer. And you need to think outside the boxes sometimes, Mm -hmm. and I think having that title gives us the support bit gives us the ability to be able to do other work alongside them. So it might be pointing them in the right direction to a specialist nurse, maybe referring them back to the consultant or going with them to the consultant, which you wouldn't specifically do if it was a purely counselling appointment. So it's something more... um, It's
1: more flexible, isn't it? Yeah,
0: Yeah. because you don't know what... when, When a person wants to come, I guess they don't really know what they want from counselling they just know that they feel very alone and frightened that's often some of the feelings that come into the room and then we try and work out what that means for them and how can we meet that fear I guess how can we go alongside them and make it as as good as it possibly can be
1: Mm. and I guess for somebody they might meet us as an oncology support specialist in different roles isn't it so it could be the one-to-one where we're sat in in a room mm. as you say it could be at the hospital but there's also the group work that we do so that mm. I guess the the, the role is quite diverse in that there's the different forms of support isn't there um, that we offer
0: and I think that's the, the breadth that we now offer is that we can go alongside and I know it's been such a tough last year with Covid but what it's, it's done is actually enabled us to reach more people mm both through the groups that we're starting to, to do when we did online, but actually doing online work. So by Zoom, so for, for those who might not be tech savvy, that's just face-to-face, but online. So we're using a computer or and a camera so we can see each other, but we're also doing phone support and for some people who live further away or okay. can't get in or um, may be worried about the COVID situation. It's offered us another level of support which I wasn't sure about when we started on the technical. Well I think it took <laughs> us into the twenty first century very quickly, but I see the value of it now. And I think we see people face to face by Zoom and phone and we still are starting to build up the hospital contact again, which I think is incredibly important.
1: And I think you're right, pre Covid times we were we minimally did any telephone support. we certainly didn't do any video, did we? No. So, if somebody was perhaps feeling too unwell to travel because of the side effects of treatment or you know there was various reasons that they might not be able to come in, it meant the appointment was cancelled and yeah. and that support was now on any level, was mm. it and I think it's it's we've learned the value mm. of different types of support again, haven't we? so I think mm. for me. The oncology support specialist role is evolving all the time Mm. it's not static is it Mm. through the the time of force it has changed and Um, we move with where it needs to be
0: and I think that's the beauty of a local um, charity but specifically force it listens Mm. and it finds out I mean that's how outreach has started because people were struggling to come in from further further afield you know, I remember accompanying one person who came in for radiotherapy, and she travelled from the other side of Barnstable mm. but It was like an hour and a half before they even get to the hospital. And that's every
1: day for I mean, so weeks, isn't it? Hours, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: What would you say is the benefit from? I I, mean, I I guess there's more than one question. One, how is it as a counsellor to be working differently by doing it by phone and video? But as well, I, I wonder how people might get the best from us in having a mix I think I think there's a temptation maybe not to come in Mm. for people in the future because it's convenient to have that support from home but actually what's the benefits from having a mix of maybe coming in and sitting with us and at times maybe having it by phone
0: I think I think what I've discovered certainly using the phone you almost have to use another sense because you can't, mm-hmm. the visual sense is not there. So, you know, you, you often observe people when, when people come in and you see their body language, you see how they are, just how they hold themselves. And you can't do that on the phone. So, you're listening for other things, almost nuances, which maybe it's like they often say when people don't have a sense. So, if somebody um, is not able to see, that other senses are heightened. And I think I found that actually in telephone work, that you listen harder, it's more intense in a way. Whereas for the person who, it would be interesting to talk to a, a patient about their experience of it. But I guess there could be a safety in it for them because they're in their own environment. And and maybe not that not face-to-face is somehow comforting for them because they might be trying to work things out before they take that next step of actually being present with somebody I don't know, that's quite an interesting one I haven't mm. really thought about it
1: and I think equally having that space at home can not feel comfortable for you to relax into mm. uh, so we know about the effects that it can have on family and, mm. and friends around you that maybe there are, you don't talk as freely so I, I wonder if there is a benefit as well sometimes of coming into a space that's set mm. aside so a you've got the prep time coming in here to think about what you might talk about um freely being able to have that space where you can cry you can Mm. shout Mm. whatever you might need to do perhaps even have an opportunity to talk about the people you're living in that house with Mm. without fear of them hearing walking in um and then if you do get emotional you're not walking straight back out into the house afterwards you've You've got got that period of time home again gather yourself so i think there's benefits isn't there for for both
0: my first protocol would be face to face because we're human beings that's Mm. how we interact but actually these other ways that we're engaging with people i think is incredibly important to provide that extra layer of support but i think it is there's something about coming into the center and hopefully as things open up again a lot of the support that people get is just once they've taken that courageous step of coming through the doors they're welcomed by our incredible team of volunteers but also you see other people who are going through a a similar journey to them similar circumstances and actually just seeing them sometimes gives people courage and and often that almost friendships or Mm. acquaintances they crop up just as a result of them greeting each other in the centre so that's the bit I'm looking forward to seeing again and, and feeling in the centre because it, when we couldn't have anybody coming into the centre it felt like the heart was ripped out. You know, Our reason for being was dislodged or displaced. And now we're starting to... We've had to find our feet and work very hard to be able to meet that need in a different way. And that's been great because it's actually given us a, a broader way of working. But actually, the centre is, you know, what people say about the centre, isn't it? It's a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. It's a place of safety, <laughs> an oasis away from the the clinical and the busy and the the medical side of the hospital, where people can almost catch up with themselves sometimes or catch their breath in between. And, and so many people do. They use the centre, don't they, in between treatments or um, if they're going for a, an appointment, they come here and just catch their breath, really. Mm. And just sit and be for a while.
1: I think it's about relationships as well that you see happening. So, there's the relationship we might have with somebody, as, and I think it's important to say as well that what we offer is for both the person experiencing the diagnosis of cancer, but those, the family, and the, the mm. friends around that are maybe the main supporters, isn't it? Yes. And I think it's seeing those the relationships that we can develop with people and then through that we can key in more to what maybe their need is, mm. thinking about what we offer, but as you say, outside of here. But it's also, I love when you go from the room or from the office to go and get your, the next person that you're due to see or just go and make a tea or coffee, seeing that happening amongst, as you say, people waiting in the area, then with the volunteers... Someone mm. that you might have seen, and you just wave and say hello there's there 's something comforting it's
0: and this community it is there, yeah that interaction.
1: and there 's a shared understanding as well, I think in here that just brings that comfort
0: yeah hugely, mm. and I think it you know in in the sessions or, or the time that we spend with people it 's that it 's an incredible privilege to go alongside somebody at a very vulnerable mm-hmm. time of their life and and hopefully to see them walk through the door in a different place to when they first walked in, and to see them going on to embrace their lives again, maybe in a deeper way. You know, everybody's changed by their experience, but hopefully in a better way. And we've been privileged to be part of that to enable them to stand and and walk out of here. Is it, I always feel an incredible sense of sadness because I'm losing something. Mm. I'm losing something of that. That relationship that we've built up but an incredible sense of hope and and pride that that they're doing it and they've done the work Mm -hmm. you know we see them for an hour every so often or see them on the phone or sorry or talk to them on the phone or on zoom but actually they're living the majority of their lives outside of here and that's where the battles and that's where life is lived and how it should be so we don't want to create that dependency, but it's giving them the freedom and independence to go and be strong, and to embrace what everything they've been through, and and, and have amazing lives, which is what it's about, isn't it? It's uh, and often when they come back in, or you, you know, that's the hard bit. Sometimes you don't hear how they're doing, but every so often you might meet them in the street, or they come in for a follow up, and they pop in, and and yeah.
1: And there's always a, that, that dance, isn't there? Do they want me to talk to them? Yeah. Side of, shall yeah. I say hello? Shall yeah. I not? <laughs> Most I, people want I to. Just <laughs> give them a <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it's yeah. it is um, it, it is lovely. I love this work because, as you say, it is you 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 do that piece of meeting with people, and then they do go off, and and there's a part of you that you hope you never see them again yeah. because you want them to go yeah, on yeah. and live life after cancer. But equally, there's a bit in your heart that thinks, oh, I wonder how they're doing. Yeah. And have yeah. any of the things that we've talked about been able to happen or mm. come to fruition? It, it's I, I, I think that's the bit that I'm always a bit torn between because we can't be in touch with everyone.
0: No.
1: Um, but we're like a touchstone, I guess, aren't we? And we can be again. And I think that's yeah. the other bit to... Recognise that there will be times when people will need to come back. That we yeah. hope not to see them again, but they may need to come back and have extra
0: support for various and if they reasons. Do, they know they're safe, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's why people do come back, isn't it? They know that they can just touch base again and be held, and work things out, and then be able to move forward in a different way, whatever that you know that way forward would be for them. but Yeah, an incredible privilege. It's the depth of the of the human spirit. I think we we see and we encounter every day in the work that we do, and that's the bit that that makes it so amazing. Really, that even in the most difficult circumstances, people come through. They work out how how to be with it, how to to live with it, how to move forward, how to yeah.
1: There are very few days where I don't leave the building and breathe out and think human beings are just extraordinary mm. th- what people do actually deal with and the amount of times I, you know, I hear someone say and people keep saying to me how are you still doing it how mm. are you doing what you're doing and mm. there's a frustration well, what what else am I going to do of course I'm doing it but that's quite an easy thing to say but it is extraordinary mm. um, to hear what people do cope with manage with yeah. um, get out of bed still in the mornings, despite what might be going on?
0: There was a a saying, isn't there, where the greatest suffering the greatest love is shown. Mm -hmm. And and I feel that, I feel we see that, we witness that at so many different levels, both from the staff and how they care Mm -hmm. and how they walk the extra mile and just the people who come through the door, you know, battered and bruised but still standing upright. Mm I don't know how sometimes. It is, is it?
1: I, I don't know why I'm thinking of it, but in terms of how, of how it is here, is is that welcoming and that like open arms really to mm. come in and and support people in whatever way it might be literally just coming in and having a cup of tea, waiting for appointments at the hospital to engage them with the, most of our services. But I can remember. Do you remember? I won't name her name, but when there was that question, they said, "All right, if we have a cup of coffee." Um, with people as they come in can we sit in during the sessions and drink a coffee with someone and I think that's where we're mm. different as well if people are experiencing counselling in other settings this might actually feel oh w well, mm. I'm not quite sure this is what I'm used to I yeah. think there's an ease with people that haven't had counselling support before but if you've had it before this does feel different doesn't yeah. it yeah. Um,
0: and I think You know, each of us as counsellors have supervisors, and I think we give the supervisors a headache sometimes because of, I think, the depth of the work we do, but also how we do our work is inevitably different. Mm. Um, I remember quite early on that there was a family facing a really difficult situation in the hospital and I must have gone over I was able to and go over about four times during the day because there were different needs at different times and different members of the family were coming at different times and it was extraordinary how we were able to be with them and go alongside them to in what was a really desperate situation but we we just and and once i remember going over and I just went over and got them a coffee and when mm. took it down to the wall because they were they were too immersed in what was happening to be able to even take a breath and to, just to be able to do that that's that's the extra bit of support mm-hmm. that we do um, and we're able to and I think that's really important mm-hmm. and it's good to be because I think the center has been so busy and I think with the center um not being open as it has been, but hopefully taking those steps to open up our doors again completely, um, is the links with the hospital. Um, And I think it's made us reevaluate that again and to see the stress and the incredible work that the staff do and and it's hard for them, and especially through COVID. And I think still a lot of clinics and things are still going on on Zoom Mm -hmm. or by telephone. And I think that's incredibly hard for some people. Um, and it's hard for the staff as well. So it's looking how can we best support, you know, staff to be able to do the best that be the best that they can be and do the best that they can do, um, and also to support people who have cancer to actually navigate their way through what lies ahead for them. And I, I, that's where we're, we're at. We touch base with them at so many different times in that journey and that's what makes it so special i think mm.
1: and i guess that's something for people to be aware of isn't it that we can be there in different areas of where they are so whether it is at the hospital mm. um here at the center and i the bit that i've really enjoyed which I wouldn't have have had the opportunity to do beforehand is actually do walk and talking sessions. Mm. So where people meet here or I meet them somewhere and we go for a walk rather than sat in the room or Mm. phone or Zoom. So I think it's for people that really know they they couldn't come and meet in a room. Mm. Um, And an opportunity to walk alongside, Mm. I think sometimes can bring a different, conversation a different way of relaxing I think you have to be conscious of what you might be talking about if you're walking mm. around particularly if there's emotion involved so sometimes I think there might be a bit of planning about when you offer those sessions mm. um, but I, I've, I've really enjoyed just being out in nature mm. and I don't,
0: I don't think I I, I haven't done a, a walk and talk but that sounds amazing I think the closest I've got to it was probably on the phone <laughs> When somebody was out walking their dog and had forgotten the appointment, and uh, it was one of those awkward starts because they were feeling a bit um, upset that they'd forgotten the call, while they're out walking the dog. But actually, we ended up having the most amazing conversation mm-hmm. when they were sat in the park
1: yeah,
0: on a bench outside, and I could almost, I got them to describe the surroundings where they were so that I could sort of go alongside in a slightly different way. And we had, it was a very intense but Light-hearted as well. It was it was so strange, and I think it was because they were outside. Mm-hmm. They weren't contained. They weren't. Yeah. And the dog was behaving like a dog as well, which was quite funny. But it was a different. It's, it's it a much different more container, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. A
1: room c- contains and a safe space in one way, but as well, it can mm. bring something different, as you say, if you're outside.
0: And that's the adaptability. That's, because yeah. in a fifty-minute counselling hour, there's under no circumstances would you. Be able to do that and I think that's the support that we offer is flexible mm. and it has to be because mm. you know that's where people's lives are and we try to go and go alongside people where they are not where we want them to be mm. but where they are absolutely
1: and, um, I wonder what it would be like if we were sat here in 10 years time having a conversation so if you think about 20 years ago to so now, it would be really interesting to see what differences might come um, over the future with force.
0: Yeah, uh, one of the most exciting things, I think, is when people experience um, um, cancer, when they experience illness, they learn so much about themselves. And I think one of the things that sometimes is fed back, I don't want to capture, I've got this love and, and of life now because of the intensity of of maybe that being compromised by illness that i want to really live my life at, at that you know really deep level and i think when people were further out of treatment it becomes a bit more of a distant memory that they want to push to the back that they lose that that intensity of grabbing life what it mm. is but i think people who've experienced it have so much to give back and i think that's why our volunteers are fantastic because they come all with their own sort of pathway to get here, their own journey, their own experience, which brings them into here. But I think we can use not use that's not the right word, we can facilitate more of people who have experienced cancer and illness to help other people. So group work, so we're just looking at our bereavement um, support now and how we want to reach as many people as possible and so we're hoping that maybe eventually somebody who's been bereaved might be, ha- be able to help facilitate a group and give something in that way mm-hmm. and then we'll reach more people, it's not just, we're not we're not the experts, we're facilitators, we've yeah. always felt that and mm-hmm. we're privileged to be where we are but if we can share that as much as possible in the community then we reach more and more people.
1: And that's the very word I was thinking of. There's something about community in there, isn't there? The forced community and then people that are here being supported, then there's an expression, isn't there, um, or a film, it is, about um, paying it forward. And I think there is something about that in life, isn't there? Your experience can move forward in helping others and then that ripples on through, um, ideally, I guess.
0: So, There's in 20 years' time, I wonder if we can fine tune that a bit and actually mm. have sort of satellites They don 't have to be centers but satellites. so like we 've got friends of force groups which help to raise funds for us, and it would be great to have friends of force groups that are people who have experienced something together and can come together you know socially but also in a supportive way. Mm. And then there are those satellites. People don't have to actively seek, you know, counselling or oncology support specialists. They can actually start to seek them closer to where they are. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll always need somebody to help organise that. So maybe it's the organisational bit. I often think that man- management and things. If if we're good managers or leaders, then we should. Set something up so that it it runs, it doesn't need us, it maybe needs a top up now and again, and then you go on to the next place, and you set that up there so that there's an increasing number of people who are skilled to be able to provide support, Mm. but it's not dependent on us. Because I always remember there was a a lovely doctor at a hospice I worked at, and when he left, you know, he was the hospice in lots of ways, he'd given his life to it, and he'd been there more years than I can imagine. And when he left, he put his hand in a, a bucket of water and he said, well, my hand's in a bucket of water. He said, it's moving around and there's movement and there's refreshment and there's activity. And then he took his hand out of the water and it became calm again. And he said, "That my, my role is done now. I've contributed to that. But now it's time for that water to have new hands put in it he made that up a little bit. But no, but was, also, but the,
1: the purpose of what he, he, he was with him removing space, yeah. the hand, there was, it was filled in still. There wasn't yeah. a space or a gap. Yeah,
0: that's it. He that's d- enabled he
1: to, to be without him being there, isn't it?
0: And other people put that. their hand in and stir it around. Yeah. But the water is constant, it's yeah. there. Mm. So that service is there. So force will always be, whatever the future holds, force will always be part of people's lives.
1: And it goes back to what we were saying as we finished, the oncology support specialist role, we adapt it evolves mm. and that's that's, as, that's, that's the force ethos it isn't it, that's, yeah. that's at the heart of what we are,
0: yeah.
1: it's not rigid, it's to try and bend with what's needed
0: Yeah. And again it's not about us it's about the person who walks through the door, the person who makes that phone call, the person who sends mm. that email, that's that's the reason we're here and it's how to make that as accessible as possible in different ways.
1: If you'd like to know more about what the service offers, so um, today we've been talking about the oncology support specialist, please have a look on our website or do call in, um, the numbers will follow. Thank you for your time Jerry.
0: No thank you, it's really <laughs> interesting. We never do it, we never stop and we don't have time sometimes to just stop and reflect a bit and think we do it in our, we have peer support, so we meet together as as a team and that's a really important time. But sometimes just to reflect on the enormity of what we do and the privilege of what we do, but also how it changes us as people as well, mm. it deepens us and, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Force Cancer Charity Podcast. If you need support from Force, call us on 01392 406 151 or send an email to support at forcecancercharity.co.uk You'll find more details on our website, forcecancercharity.co.uk